Welcome back to Deep Thoughts, ladies and gentlemen. Get my straggling hairs down here. So it's been about three weeks since I personally have recorded a video. I just finished some 3D renders of... It's an approximation of what the alien looked like that went into my bedroom. So I thought today we would return back to the subject of dreaming. Because boy, howdy, have my dreams gotten more intense over these last couple of years here. Especially over the last year. And I'm calling this episode Real-Time Dreaming for a reason. Any of you have been curious about dreams, and especially if you've watched all the episodes in this show about dreams, this will be a familiar topic. But I've never dedicated a whole episode to this phenomenon, which is dream centers will tell you that you only dream during a REM state, random eye movement state, and that you'll have gigantic dreams in split seconds. Now, I'm not denying that that might happen, but a bunch of us have real-time dreams, and there are hundreds of comments throughout the years, which is going on nine next uh, this year, actually, where you dream in real time like I do. And what does that mean, for those of you who are brand new? That means that you go to sleep, and a dream begins, and you'll wake up, and you check the clock, or you got a clock that you can see, or you even go to the restroom or whatever, some activity that makes you very lucid. I'm extremely lucid. When I wake up, I'm 100% awake. I might be groggy, but I mean, in terms of consciousness and knowing where I am, I'm not one of these people that's like, where am I? I'm making excuses for things. I'm also the kind of guy that if I want to wake up at a particular time, I will. I just have to decide what time it is. I'm also a guy that bizarrely when I wake up, I can guess what time it is and I'll be within five minutes of that time. Partly from the empirical data of sunlight versus dark, but there's plenty of times I wake up in the dark and there shouldn't be any inf extra information. I simply know how much time has passed. It's a really strange thing. Even during the daytime, I might wake up and it's daytime outside, but I work pretty late. So I'll go to sleep for a couple hours and it feels like 9.30 and then it'd be like 9.33 or something, right? It's very odd. Don't know why that does what it does. Now, what I'm trying to also, well, let me finish my point here. So when you get up and time passes and you go back and you don't necessarily joining the exact scene in your dream, but you're joining that particular dream world, we have episodes on dream worlds. We have episodes on dream people. I'm going to go into a lot of that in this episode. But you'll continue. And you will live what you believe to be two or three hours. And you'll wake up and two or three hours are gone. And you'll roll over or you'll go do something else. And then you'll, if you if you wake up and you, you know, look at your phone and you really get into it and you get your iPad or whatever, it's a little tougher to stitch these together, but it's not uncommon to go back to sleep and you have a brand new chapter in your dreaming for that that period, that eight-hour period or however long you sleep, right? I'm not sure why my dreams are getting more and more intense. By intense, I define that as nearly everything I told you in my first dream episodes, and you have to understand, I've been a dreamer my whole life. I mean, I really have. At times, they have gotten ridiculously lucid to the point I can recall dreams from 
being 17 years old and, and seeing a particular dream. I've talked about several times on the show. And it's as if I had the dream yesterday. I can still see frames from dreams as if they were yesterday. When I was, um, I think in second grade, no, I was in third grade, first half of third grade, I had a dream of being at school and I was in sort of this, uh, this big bathroom that we have, which has no doors uh, to get in. It's the boys' bathroom. It's all those miniature bathrooms, right? And this, there was a lion in the room. And I sat down next to the lion and it pawed my leg. And I remember it kind of took a chunk out of my leg. But it wasn't a chunk like bloody, gross. I wasn't aware of what that would have looked like. But it did it. And I was like, whoa. And I remember waking up because that was such a big deal. I've got dozens and dozens and dozens of these dreams. Sometimes I've had lucid dreams. But here's the thing. Everything I told you I couldn't do over the last nine, almost nine years, eight and a half, it seems like I can do it now. So, if maybe talking about this with you clicks, then perhaps if you are looking to increase the usefulness of your dreams, because they could be very useful at times, I've invented things in my dreams that then came true in the world, and I didn't pursue them because either I was the wrong age or I didn't realize I should pursue it like an invention of some sort. I'm waiting for that one as an adult. But it really has to do with the quality of the reality. It has to do with the quality of the characters. And little anomalies like uh, they used to teach lucid dreaming by saying, if you want a lucid dream, this would no longer work for me anymore. At least it wouldn't work as blatantly as it had in the past. You're supposed to read things when you know you're awake. So read a sign and that not, not like a proper name, what's weird, you know, but like some sign that says, you know, keep off this uh, grass or whatever, then turn away, count a second, turn back and read it again. And if the words change, then you know you're in a dream. This used to happen to me like crazy. Everything I read was just, I couldn't even read anything in dreams, really. But if I tried, it was just like gobbledygook, and it was strange. It was such a strange feeling because we don't have that in the real world. So what basis of reference would I have to experience that, right? It would have to be a dream. Now, I attempted that little ritual, and I was never able to trigger a lucid dream just offhand. Part of me... But I have had two or three lucid dreams. And when they happen, it's a whole different experience. Like the, the simulation of a dream world goes to the next level, like instantaneously. It's like you become much more, I don't know, uh, engaged in the world. You don't have infinite knowledge or anything like that whatsoever. But whatever you're doing becomes so much more, your senses turn on. Like you will feel, you'll feel wind. You'll feel all kinds of different feelings that we don't have. One of them I had... I don't know how many years ago. I was in my hometown. I used to have this reoccurring dream, and it'll, it'll reoccur again, so I should just say. I have a reoccurring dream in my hometown, which is a little country town. Looks like downtown Disney. And it's in the future, and someone has spent some money such that these old brownstones that make up the front, you know, of both sides of the main street, someone has built above that, behind it, 
these really gorgeous extensions. And they're probably about four stories, five stories high. And they all interconnect behind the stores. So like you could walk up there and have dinner and walk around shop. And then you would come down to the old buildings, which are all locked up because their business is right. But I was walking around sort of the perimeter around downtown. And then there was sort of a fantasy place, almost like a Twilight Zone house. And it had a nice backyard surrounded with a canopy of trees, right? And I remember it was kind of a dream time of day, so it was kind of daytime. It's almost like the day-night they used to shoot back in the, uh, before special effects, where it was shoot during the day and they'd run a filter on it, make it look like it's nighttime. So I'm walking into this, this sort of clearing of beautiful grass, and boom, it hits me. I'm in this, all of a sudden I realize, oh my God, I'm dreaming. And then everything got just real kind of purplish colors, really cool. And, and it was like the, the grass all had like little sparkles on it. And the trees kind of had sparkles on them, like little tiny ones. And I started feeling on my skin this sort of tingling sensation. Very, very beautiful, very amazing. And I remember just being in the dream and just saying to myself, I am dreaming. Wow, look at this world. Look at how versatile this world is. And it didn't last more than five seconds or so until that just shook me awake because it was so amazing. My body was supposed to have been, I would love to see what I do in this world when I hit those apexes of lucidity, you know? So I want to talk about some of the advancements that have happened. And I, I realize it's kind of almost a selfish episode, but my hope is that you can discern and distill from the information I'm giving you, perhaps a method of thinking about dreams if you're a dreamer such that yours will go to the next level as well. Cause it's very entertaining to work a really long day. You've had a really rewarding day and then you go dream and it's like, you didn't, even though you're wasting your time, my, my father's best bud always said, uh, eating and sleeping is the biggest waste of time on planet earth. And I cannot agree more, but at least the, if the dreams are adventures, uh, they can kind of, um, their experiences and every experience you have as a human being can improve who you are as a human being, right? So it can be very rewarding in a very backhanded, passive way. But what I told you before was that I never look a person in the face for any extended period of time. They'll change or they'll, the action will change. Or I don't even have a scenario where I want to look someone in the face. I have told you that I don't have prolonged conversations with individuals, although... I think some of my episodes I've told you this is getting better. Reading is extremely, I wouldn't say forbidden, but it's as rare as hen's teeth, man, that I would ever have a piece of paper and want to read it in a dream because a dream has always got something fun to do. Driving vehicles uh, keeps getting more and more realistic, operating the pedals and the steering wheels, and the car is behaving in in the physics model of a real car the terrain will make my car bounce and jerk the way that a real terrain would. Whereas in a dream, it'd be everything's kind of smooth as glass and you're just kind of going from point A to point B. It's been my past, right? Another one is, is because uh, I'm going to update you on all this. Another one is just simply being with people in very intimate ways that would you would think would wake you up. Like I had a dream two or three days ago, mystery girl, no, no idea who she is. 
And we just made chums, like we made friends right at the very beginning. And, you know, you get that feeling of like love at first sight sort of thing. And we lay down and slept together for a while. And it was really like sleeping. And then we woke up and she was still there. And then it was like, so people came in the room and we got to join whatever group of dream people and their little party that's going on. I mean, I would think that if I slept in a dream, that's, that's the doorway out, you know, because I'm really sleeping in real life, you know. But at this point, I now have had dozens and dozens of dreams that I remember where I have sat down and talked to a person for an extended period of time, right to their face. It's not quite as beautiful and as, as crisp as reality, but it is a conversation, debating things back and forth. I mean, you know, in terms of, uh, say, a holodeck from Star Trek, you know, if this was a simulated character, the computer, computer would be playing the other character, and it'd basically be fictional ChatGPT talking back to me. It would be a definite Turing test pass. But it's happening now in my dreams. Reading, which obviously has a limited application in a dream. Uh, probably three days ago, I remember reading a book. And just reading, but based on what we were talking about, going back and forth. Whoa. And the words weren't scrambling. It's getting better. And so my hope is that maybe by comparing notes and by just consciously thinking about it, we can all kind of upgrade a little bit. But in the past, you know, it's one of these things of we're headed into a very interesting point in time where, you know, a lot of, um, I would say, beliefs, especially like the crazy ones online, like, oh, all the volcanoes that dried up and create these plateaus with these sort of hexagonal tempered magma going up. Everyone's saying those are trees, you know. If man ever carved a rock to look like a person or uh, an animal, because that particular culture worshipped that or the other, these people are taking photographs of it. See, these are real, you know, and it's like the proportions are all off. If you're not an artist, you don't see it. If you don't know about expanding Earth theory, which is most definitely what's going on, I don't, I don't care if you want to say we're in a simulator, the way they've simulated this place is it used to be a much smaller sphere. And so all those surf, the surface of the earth was way higher. And so as it's expanded, all that soot has come down around those volcanoes like Devil's Tower. And people say, oh, look, it's a tree. And it's look at this hexagonal, <laughs> as if trees have hexagonal guts. You know, it's just really strange. But we know when you dry the outside of something faster than you dry the inside, inside of something in a liquid you get tempered glass. That's how your glasses, how your side windows b- burst, you know. The only reason why your windshield doesn't do that is because it's layered in plastic because they don't want it blasting in your face if you happen to have an accident. Plus, it's, uh, nowadays, it's actually a mechanism to keep you inside the vehicle as opposed to falling out. But magma does the same thing. It's the same book of physics everywhere, right? Why am I talking about that? Well, in the next 50 years... If the world doesn't go to crap, we are going to get simulations as good as the one that you and I are having right now. The absolute meticulous nature of matter portrayed in this camera to you is when you wake up and you think you're awake and you see all little dust particles and dust bunnies and the spider crawling in the corner and 
you open the fridge and some of that food's rotted and some of it's great. All those details will be easily, easily portrayed by the supercomputers that are coming, especially the quantum computers once they stabilize all the qubits, right? It'll be nothing for uh, a 50-qubit quantum computer to conceive of Earth. That's no problem. At 100 standard qubits, and they're going for 300, there's just no limitation. Once they stabilize and figure out how to get like a phosphorus atom stabilized inside of a quantum computer, go see my episode on quantum computers if you want to know how that works, they'll be able to conceive of everything that we have said is true in the universe. It may or may not be true, and it's irrelevant. We're not going to go anywhere in our lifetimes, right? We don't need to. Why mention that? Well, even a totally ignorant population on technology, and boy, is it getting more and more ignorant every single day. It's really sad. It's almost like the the brainiacs are getting super brainiac, and the retards are becoming more retarded. And, And I'm not even talking about people with genetic issues. People with genetic issues are probably smarter than the ones with no excuse, right? Because they're inquisitive, and they can probably think for themselves. But what's going to happen when you go into an arcade-type place, which is probably a room in your house, your, your cubicle dwelling that you might live in some bizarre uh, concentration camp, uh, courtesy of Agenda 2030, right? You're going to put this thing on, like Ready Player One, or maybe it's implanted in your body like Black Mirror keeps suggesting. I believe it. And you're going to see this reality in any way you want. It might even be like, oh, I'm going to run the old time product, which really shows you how the world really was before you get into this metaverse where everything is simulated, where it's like no one looks the way they look because I'm telling your meta headset that I'm a squirrel, but I'm just huge and I'm purple and I, I can breathe fire. It'll happen. It'll happen. I mean, the only limitation today is the imagination of the developers, which I guess thankfully they're in that latter group. What I don't understand, quite frankly, is how and why my dreams are getting more and more realistic. Other than the soul body connection is probably increasingly getting better as I don't ingest any toxins that I can avoid. And so that pineal gland brainstem connection, that spark of life when the sperm hits the egg and you see that spark of life, I just posted a video on our Telegram channel, Deep Thoughts channel on Telegram. Just look that up in the search field. It's, for me, it's the moment the soul attaches to this clump of proteins that are going to tell the DNA what to make. And so it's creating the brain first. It's, it literally creates the repository where the soul is going to do most of its work. And everything else grows down from the brain. The brain itself past the stem and the pineal gland is largely just dedicated to the operation of the body. So, you know, but there are some special roots to the front of your brain, which is why trauma has such an effect on you, right? But what's going to happen when you go to sleep and you're getting a sort of a cloudy facsimile of reality, which is definitely um, in its limitless nature, will constantly write scripts for you like a holodeck. Uh, There's an episode where Data loves to play Sherlock Holmes, but 
it's a famous Moriarty episode if you haven't seen it. But Jordy goes in with them and he's just solving the crimes like this because all they're doing is living the books and Data's read all the books. And so he's just shamelessly, oh, it's that guy, it's this guy, this guy. And Jordy's like, hey, man, that's not any fun. And so they get with the ship's doctor and she says, look, your problem is, is that um, you don't really have a challenge because you read all the books. And so they try to do a scrambled one, but it's a bits and pieces of the book. So he's still solving it super fastly. Finally say, Holodeck, create a, an opponent that could beat Data. Could. And this is where Mariarte gets created and he can see, he can call the arch to the holodeck and he's he's aware he's in a simulation it's like it's one of the best episodes ever made and there's a follow-up one to it four years later same actor it's really cool how they did it okay but our dreams uh you know it it i suggested in the origin of man episode a long time ago one uh, why does why do all creatures seemingly sleep Every creature on this planet sleeps. And there's been a thousand reasons that, you know, psychologists, neurologists, physicists, everybody talks about why we might sleep. But they're all pretty hokey, you know. They kind of make sense, right? Someone will say, well, you're filing away your memories from the previous day. Mm, All right. But there's nothing that says, okay, if I were to stay in bed for two days straight, not exert myself, even keep my eyes closed, but stay awake. Why wouldn't I be able to stay awake without cocaine or some other drug? Why wouldn't I be able to stay awake for days and days and days if I just simply manage my energy levels? Then you get the biorhythm theories. Well, you know, your your body's just on a rhythm. Well, you ever try fighting that rhythm? There's a book that I, uh, I don't know if I intentionally bought this book. I don't think I did. I bought it, but it was about something different. But this book, it's a really paperback book, was all about the phenomenon that if man stays up about 32 hours, and I've sadly done it dozens of times, that your brain gives, your left brain gives up. So your logical brain gives up and your creative mind takes over both hemispheres of your functionality. And these theoretical scientists of all different types of disciplines, learned about this. And they said, you know, let's try this out. Maybe I have better ideas. If I just get rid of the logic, I can see things more abstractly. And of course, the answer was yes. For whatever they were studying, they were making connections. They should have just dropped acid. But they just made connections a lot more freely because they were living in an abstract mind, which is exactly how the universe works. Even though physicists rely on theorems and formulas and what have you, mm, It's all the uncertainty principle constantly, constantly. It's all random. So if you're trying to interpret what reality is through this lens of pure logic and mathematics, you're going to lose the channel to what you're designed to do, which is to be a creative person. So why do we sleep? In the Origin of Man episode, I suggested that perhaps this is the contract This is the contract that we made as pure souls before we built this whole thing. The whole point of that episode is uh, I take you to a theoretical state of consciousness where all the the souls, all the individual souls are saying, look, we, we want another playground like the Q Continuum from Next Generation. They want a different form to exist. Like, hey, 
We're not going to die. We can't die. You can't hide energy in the universe. How could you possibly die? All you could possibly do is transition through these different vessels, experiencing different dimensions of what reality really means. What does crying mean? What does laughing mean? What does loving mean? What does hating mean? Well, you can go in and out of human bodies forever, and you will learn different things every single time. I'm almost certain of that. I think it would take you millions of years before you'd be like, okay, I've done it all. Time to be this other Andromeda string crystal thing. I'll see what that's like, you know. But I suggested that the contract was that the souls say, look, I don't want to lose access to pure creativity, this pure world that we live in where it's really pretty darn happy. And even if we allow a negative scenario in where you have maybe have a nightmare or something, which I think is really an instrument of being a human, accumulating negative symbolism and then taking it to this sort of playground. And then you have this experience where you're seeing zombies. Where would zombies exist in any contextual uh, cosmology? Only in the one that we're in, I hope, right? I mean, everything sleeps. Insects sleep. It's crazy. Fish sleep. Everything sleeps. It's like a contract of existence. And it doesn't make mechanical sense. Okay. The other one is, I thought that maybe if I lived a very uh, fruitful phase of my life, where I'm creating a lot of different things, that perhaps my dreams would get more intense because my creativity or sorry, my dreams would actually subside because my outside world is more creative. Now, I don't know how to measure that theory, that creativity is uh, either high or low within this world because it is so many different facets of what's going on. You know, I'm creating code at this point in my life a lot, a lot of 3D at this time, episodes, um, working on screenplays and that sort of thing. I feel like I'm at an all-time high of who I am as a human being. I mean, my neural density must be as dense as it's ever been, okay? And my dreams are accentuated at the same exact time. So maybe it is a congruent relationship between being really intense in your real, real life, quote-unquote, and then your dreams are simply mirroring that. Don't know. There's that saying that if you're depressed, one of the signs of depression is that you sleep often. And that's similar uh, caution. I take that caution the same way as I, I was told when I was very, very young, that if you drink when you're alone, to relieve stress especially, then you are not in a good situation. It's not a recreational thing. It's a, it's a chemical dependency thing. You really become a true alcoholic, right? A chemical alcoholic as opposed to maybe a psychological alcoholic. I think either one actually works. So my family wasn't a big drinking family, even though my grandfather made some of the best wine on planet Earth. But my mom didn't drink much. My dad didn't drink much. And so it wasn't anything for me. And uh, my body, and it might be because my genetics on both sides of the family, when they ingest alcohol, it hits us so hard that we get sick so who the hell wants to do that, right? I, I really think my lucky star is I didn't get the drinking gene where it doesn't affect me and I don't have hangovers. I got buddies like that and six-packs, man. Maybe I would be a total drinker if that was the case, but 
luckily hits me really, really hard. So dreaming is sort of my little recreational point. And what's funny about it is that I will say this. Just compare notes, right? When I have a super intense dream with usually what ends up happening, it's just like a movie. When I write a film, I try to create very few locations that the audience has to memorize. I've never been asked to write a Mission Impossible. That would change everything. But I want you to get familiar with locations and, and grow to love them. Like when you watch Cheers for 14 years, that bar, it means something to you. MASH, Taxi, uh, Frasier, all those shows, they have those sets that you just fall in love with, right? And then I try to keep my character count down, at least anyone that's a main character or a supporting character, so that you can memorize them. And when I express a level of dimension in their action, you're like, oh yeah, that's that person, they do that thing. And then you start anticipating what I'm going to write, and that makes you feel rewarded for being astute, you know, as an as a audience member. So my dreams are very much like that. I will get a new location, I call it the dream world. And the dream world's rotate just like a carousel. I might have like three or four days in a row where I feel like the dream world is actually stationary, meaning it has been swapped out for another location. But it's more like a, like a city, city or a town, depending on the architecture, right? And so I will be in the same city or town, and what I am doing is I am living in a different part of the town with a different group of people. But the place feels the same. It has the same level of pleasantness. And sometimes architecture is great. But sometimes I feel like I'll be going to bed. Here's my ritual. I go to bed. I'm, I'm, I usually mess around for an hour at least before I go to bed just to cool off the brain, right? And if I'm rolling over on my sheets, what I'm, I will just kind of whisper to the world. I'll say, look, I need a, it's time to rotate the world, meaning whole new location. And I'll be damned if it doesn't do that. It's crazy. The people in the dreams, they're obviously sort of your NPCs, and then they're your, sort of your main characters, right? So there's a bunch of ancillary people in the dream that is simply trying to fill up the rooms to give it a certain feeling. Uh, you were at a party. Remember, there was like 100 people there, and Prince was playing there, and he came over, and so let's hang out afterwards. And so, you know, I've had those dreams several times. It's really, really wild to hang out with a celebrity in your dreams, especially one that's past, one you miss. Um, in my experience, uh, it's really weird. I was a huge Prince fan, and I guess you're always one when you are one. But I was also, and am, a huge Michael Jackson fan. I don't think I've ever seen that dude in a dream. The Prince, oh my God, dude's in my dreams all the time. I mean, I, I would say once every two or three months always. And we're really hanging out. We're really making music or doing something or chilling out or I'm assisting him in something. And the dimension of his reveal to me, it just keeps getting more and more intense. Like it's more personal. It's more, it's less related to music. It's just who he is as a person, right? Talking about issues. <laughs> it's just weird, right? Why is that? And here's the extra weird thing about that. You know, I don't sit around listening to Prince music anymore like I used to. I haven't memorized. Plus, it actually hurts, you know? Like, he has to be in a really upbeat song like 
Let's Work from Controversy album or something like that, where I'm like, fuck, yeah, listen to that dude play the bass, man. But that's so rare. I don't. I drive back and forth to L.A. a couple times a week on, on a maximum situation. I'm listening to everything else. I'm listening to brand new techno, brand new whatever the hell you call the music today. It's not even techno. It's something else. It's it's awesome. I mean, there's so many great, crazy musicians out there doing stuff that we have never imagined. So why is he appearing in my dreams? I'm not sitting there worshiping him. I don't have a poster of him. I've painted so many paintings of that guy. I got him all in my storage. I've painted them and sold them. Don't even know if they still exist. But I'm past that. You know, personally, I'm past that. But he still shows up. It's very, very interesting. The only exposure I have to that guy, just to kind of full disclosure, is that on Instagram or in the videos of uh, Facebook, you know, people will post little snippets of him. Okay. But it's not like I'm like, oh gosh, now I'm thinking about him constantly. Well, the reason why I'm mentioning that is to get to what determines the content in our dreams. I think the easiest and most accurate thing I could say about my own experience is it's probably themes more than anything. I experience themes of action that I would love to experience in this world. You know, I'm working really, really hard now, like 24 hours a day, every day, seven days a week. I'm enjoying what I do. And so maybe there's some playtime I'm not getting, you know, and so the dreams are definitely feel like that playtime. But what I wanted to say was that the more intense the dreams, I could hit the eight hour mark of sleep, which is, I don't really need full eight hours. Well, whatever it is, right? Let's say six hours, seven hours. I'm probably about seven. Because I do a lot of technical crap when I wake up. And you can't be quite, you can't be groggy in the middle of that situation. Coffee, although it helps, it still doesn't make your eyeballs bigger, you know, to look at code and stuff or 3D or whatever. Now, the more intense the experience, the more I wake up. And it is a feeling of that world exists and this world exists. And it's like I am literally transitioning from cosmology to cosmology. The higher up spiritual one, which is more free-flowing and anything that you can conceive of becomes real, down to the one that is sort of dictated for you, which is this reality, right? You don't get to choose what's going on second to second except your own actions, right? If we chose this reality, you know, there'd be no deep state, there'd be no homelessness, no drug use, you know, be a better place. This is where you're sort of faced with challenges that you don't control, which is just like Data going into the holodeck and being faced with a supercharged Moriarty, and he can't do anything about it. He doesn't know what the guy's going to do next. He can guess, and he might be right, but it doesn't make it easy to deal with it and solve the problem. But what's going to happen when people can see this reality in a, in a computer that's in their house? Maybe it's no bigger than a toaster, no bigger than a Mac Mini. And it is giving them this reality. How's that going to affect, you know, we're, we're always worried about, uh, well, they say that the government's always concerned about revealing UFOs and aliens to us. And so I don't know if that's because they don't have anything and therefore there's nothing to reveal, but they love the game of being sort of perceived as having all this hidden technology and all this other stuff. Doesn't mean they don't exist. It just means they may not have what we think they have. I don't know. But once this world starts seeing these virtual realities, right? 
all of the stuff that has ever been hidden, everything that's been lied about or whatever, will just vanish into the fabric of fantasy. But what's kind of interesting about the concept, because I can see them getting to a point of, if they can implant something in your eye that is talking to your retina, like a black mirror kind of thing. And if they could ever get the brainstorm technology, which is also a black mirror, a little thing that they put on your temple, where it's talking to all your senses, right? We appreciate things in dreams because we have a point of reference from the real world. If you fly in a dream, why is that cool? Because you can't fly in the real world. At least I can't. Why would you like the affection from another person? Because you know what that feels like. Maybe for that stretch of time, you're not getting it, so you dream it. Oh, it's nice, you know. So how do you take, say, an infant at some point? Oh, they'll do it. They implant it up to be completely seeing everything virtual. Can you imagine sitting in a room and you're not moving? You can't move. You're bolted down or whatever, right? Like Neo in the, in the little stasis pod he's in, right? And he's seeing the reality of the outside world be just as real as this one. But when he's pulled out of the matrix, what happens, right? They, this automation of all those plugs in his body come out. And he's pushed through the little chute and they catch him in that vehicle, and they have to rehabilitate him back to reality, which sucks compared to the one he was in, right? But at least it's real. We'll get back to real-time dreaming in a second here. Without a point of reference, what material would they show you? They would have to create a script that's showing you and, and triggering all those dopamine drops at the contextual moment for you to have a structure of what you appreciate and what you don't appreciate. These things happen organically in this world. When these pure logic thinking folks attempt to simulate this, they're going to have to rely on AI to understand the, the virtues of fiction. Like my writing teacher, I've said this several times on several different shows, my writing teacher tells you of the very first day, very first minute one, Robert McKee, M-C-K-E-E, that man has to write fiction. We have to. Because we just have to. It is our beacon, either on an individual basis or it's uh, like fake it till you make it kind of thing. Or society will latch onto a storyline to become heroes in their personal life in a completely different way than the hero did in the fictional movie. But at least gives you that nature of behavior. Hey, being good is actually feels way better than being bad. So if you make 10 bucks being good, it feels better than making 10 bucks being a thief. That sort of thing, right? Before I forget, before we get too deep in the episode, people tune out. If you do have real-time dreams, please drop a comment to let me know. And then let me know sort of how long you've had those uh, real-time dreams, how it works for you that you have determined that you are having a real-time dream. For me, it's getting up, uh, staying in sort of a semi-comatose state of dream state, Maybe go in the restroom or rolling over and then being aware of what time. Maybe even look at the time on my phone. That doesn't really wake me up much. Flipping it open and touching an app, it's going to reset everything that's going on. The other big one about real-time dreaming and dreaming in general is the ability to be in a scenario 
It's very exciting. It's very cool. For whatever reason you woke up, the other day I laughed my head off in a dream and I woke up uh, and I think one of them, I was so happy I kind of cried in the dream. It was like a feeling of that. I'm not blubbering in the dream, but it's like, wow, that was so beautiful what was going on. I can't remember exactly which scenario it was. And then you wake up and you roll over and it kind of shakes you awake a little bit. And your goal is like, oh my God, don't wake up so much that you lose this credible scenario that you have. When I meet cool people in dreams, whether it be female or male, and we're doing something cool in the dream and I roll over, I really don't want, I want to finish what we're working on, right? That's my style in life in general, right? And it's really important. And this is going to be a a comment about dreams first, and then we're going to extend it to all reality We have too many people in the scientific community, flying quotes, that keep making up excuses for things that they don't really have explanations for. I don't know if it's out of straight hubris or if it's out of, um, you know, someone nagging them constantly. Well, what about this? What about this? They don't have an answer. And so in order to shut that person up, they just write a parable, a fable. It becomes science and sort of Um, hearsay circles, and then people repeat that as if it's fact. That has been going on for centuries, if not millennia, right? Like I I was talking, I don't know, a long time ago about death in general, right? And I am sure that a lot of the fables that we have about what happens after life, where Native Americans are like, you become a star, you know? Well, back in the day, we didn't have star maps. We, you know, if I said, oh, that one didn't exist yesterday, I mean, you'd have to be some total Native American nerd to go, yes, it did. <laughs> that's, that's, uh... But so they can make up these things to ease the soul, ease the hurt, ease the pain. Every culture's done it. Every culture's done it. Death is a rough thing to go through depending on who you've lost, right? And when you, lost, when you lose them, right? And so the explanations for dreams, I have books that have... I, I donated most of them nowadays, but I've got books that have like, uh, you know, all the symbols. It was like a big index of all the symbols that if you see these things in dreams, they mean this. And how could that possibly be true? I mean, seriously, how could that possibly be true? If nothing else, it wouldn't be objects. It would be experiences. You know, if you're married with kids and you constantly dream about a woman on Mars like Arnold Schwarzenegger in uh, Total Recall. You're dreaming of the brunette. You're dreaming of the brunette. And what was it? Um, Stone was his wife, right? And she's like, you know, I, I'm getting jealous of you dreaming about this other girl. There was something missing in his life. And if it could be that you feel like you need more from your relationship. So you're dreaming about other people. Doesn't mean you should get divorced and leave your kids and all that stuff. It's just something maybe you can identify and address, right, in the real world. That would be more, that would be, I would be more likely to believe a book full of those experiences, right? This is what a lot of psychologists have dealt with over the years, right? I think a lot of you are probably having real-time dreams, and you have forgotten that someone told you this ridiculous wife's tale, that REM sleep is where everything happens. But now they have dream clinics, Right? Stanford has a dream clinic. A lot of major universities have dream clinics. They put people down, they hook EKGs to them, and they watch. And the thing is, is I don't know, I've never ever heard 
of the actual experimentation where someone would be waking up and you might have, I I don't know how you would do this, right? You would uh, roll over, go into a REM sleep state, which is only a fraction of what they say is your entire night, right? You only have REM for a really short period of time and you go into like, what is it? Delta waves and you really just, you're asleep, man. So, Am I random mind movementing the whole night? Is that the, is that perhaps a natural state of sleep, or am I abnormal? Am I abnormal, right? And I don't get as deep of a sleep as other people. I know my body so well nowadays, just from being older, and I, I analyze it. You know, when I wake up, I'm really studying how my body's feeling. How sometimes you'll get the sleep where your body is completely rested, but your eyes aren't and your mind isn't, or sometimes you'll get the mind is, is feeling really lucid and ready to go, but the body's like, <laughs> you can't get up just yet, right? What I try to do, and it might be related to my ritual before I go to bed, I try to exhaust all sense of burden before I go to sleep. When I don't sleep well, it's typically because of two issues. I've got an algorithm I need to solve. Sometimes that can be a human thing, but that's pretty rare. Like I've, someone rubbed me wrong or I rubbed them wrong. And it's like, damn, that, that went the wrong way. And what I need to do is communicate with that person. But sometimes you rub them wrong so bad, you get some time between them. It's the best thing. Sometimes I just don't get enough done in the day. So that sense of satisfaction at the end of the day, it's almost like I'm too tired to get up and do any more work or I'll do crappy work or whatever. So I kind of bite it, but One of them is having to get up early to go somewhere the next day. It's a bizarre thing. I stay up late and I work and I sleep in a little later than everybody else. I don't even care when I wake up. It doesn't matter because I work harder than anyone else I know in terms of just the second I wake up. It's a little bit of food in my system to calm that shit down and then sit in front of a computer, sit wherever I got to do my work, go up till dinner, grab a dinner, try to execute that as quick as possible, chill out a little bit with friends and then smoke and work, (laughs) you know, this place I can work by myself, my other lounge, I'm surrounded by dudes. And so it's like, I got communion if I want it. And I got solitude if I want it. It just depends on what my workload is. Right. So on those particular nights, I don't dream shit. I don't dream anything because my brain is, uh, sometimes I will lay there for the entire time and I don't sleep a drag until like daylight. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm out. But the times that I'm just telling you the physics of my state of mind before I have the best dreams that I have, I will watch uh, a movie before I go to bed sometimes on my iPad. I will play any number of like six little parlor games where you get in, you do your little things, your little tasks, collect all the junk that they gave you from the night before, and then you're done. You're done for 24 hours. I don't know what it does what what that does for me other than it's more things that are complete. Maybe that's the archetype that I dig, even though it's absolutely a waste of my time. But it doesn't take more than maybe 15 minutes to go through all those on a long day. So what I'm getting at is by the time I roll over, I want my mind as clear as possible. I've entertained myself. I've accomplished some things that I'm very impressed with personally. Hopefully that'll impress other people. And... Like, if I don't do episodes for you guys, uh, I like to have a couple in the can. It bothers me. 
It's just because I know these are therapy for me as well. It's fun. It's fun to go through subjects and and think things through. You know, uh, there's no difference between listening to a deep thoughts and having me poke and prod your brain in a particular category. That being a very enlightening experience, not because of what I say necessarily. Maybe I say some things that you've never heard before and it's like, whoa, that's cool. That'd be awesome. But more importantly, you fishing around inside your own brain to make up your own decisions and exercise your right to have an opinion is maybe different than mine. That's so valuable when you get into a uh, sort of an executive level uh, work where you're handling other people's futures and you're trying to create a company that's going to spend money wisely and you're always going in one vector, you need to be a really good communicator. And I will tell you that that, does, that for me hasn't come just by walking in rooms and, and riffing. I can do it now easily. But there was a time when I would pace it out at home and exercise like, okay, I'm going to go down this one theory. And I used to do it at low, medium, high. So energy levels at low, medium, high. Especially if I was angry at something, I do low, medium, high. Once in a I just literally start over and I just go right back to the beginning of the conversation. It's not really occurring. It's just me in a room. And what I would find out is that the calmer heads prevail at all times, right? Most of the time... I'm getting this stuff out of me and then I don't even have the conversation with the person or it's like four or five words and everything's copacetic because I needed to understand what I thought was a problem in a more three-dimensional way. The reason why I mention that is that those are little tools that I think we all do, but if someone's telling you that you're nuts because you're pacing out and talking things out with yourself, pretending the other person's in the room, Screw those people, man. <laughs> yeah. I'd be interested to see how well they communicate. It's all about exercising your brain, right? As I've told you a hundred times, the way to keep your brain young and creating new synapse inside your brain, literally, is to solve problems. You could be a championship Jeopardy contestant, but that doesn't mean you're intelligent. It just means you memorized a bunch of crap that's on a television show. Yeah, your memory recall, if you get really good at that show, might be excellent. And that's going to be a great tool in your tool shed for when you get an original thought or a more, more creative thought to create something. And then you're like, oh, gosh, I'm going to create something. Like, say you want to create like a little robot. Well, whatever you memorized about electronics, that's going to facilitate you fluently building your robot versus struggling. Hey, ChatGPT, how do I? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, ChatGPT is great with electronics. It's fantastic, man. A uh, little digression. I, I'm a ethereal scientist, right? So go see all my episodes on ether. There's a whole category on the website, deepthoughtsradio.com. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's one of those things. So I was talking to Chad GPT about mass and energy and because uh, I was talking about creating some components in electronics to really create induction transfer of electricity from two elements in a robot that are actually not touching each other. It's on a spin spin motor, or split motor, excuse me. And ChatGPT is kind of arguing with me, and it's giving me boilerplate responses, but this is that, and this is proven wrong, blah, 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 like the Michelson experiment, which is the worst. It's, it's a bunch of douchebags that don't understand what Ether is, testing to see if Ether exists. They don't find it, and it's like, yeah, because you guys don't even know what it is according to the parameters of your test. It's hilarious, right? 
But the funny thing was, as I started explaining ethereal sciences in it without using the word, ChatGPT is confirming everything. And, and it's even saying, wow, that's really creative. It said that to me. It was like, wow, that's really interesting. That's a whole new component that I don't think exists. Da, 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 da. It's not my memory banks. I was like, well, at the very end, I said, because it's all ethereal sciences. And then I get the boilerplate again. Really funny. Before you go to bed, you want to make sure your mind is at ease. 100%. That allows the canvas of what's going to occur to be really more abstract and interesting and creative because you're not dragging symbolism in from your world, which are problems, right? And you bring them into your world, then it's transforming them, making them maybe something negative. And it, like it used to be that if I had to go to the restroom and I'm dreaming, my in fact, it was so funny. Last night or this morning, I guess you could say, there's a really funny transformation. I used to have my father, who's a sweet man, you know, but he's disciplined me at points in my life, right? Very few times because I, I was a pretty well-behaved kid. But he would come into my dream and just something really acidic would happen between he and I. And I always like, like when I wake up or be a girlfriend or something like that, and I woke up and I was like talking to God and I said, look, I really don't appreciate you taking my family members and allowing them to be demons in my dreams simply because I got to pee. I said, find any other way to shake me up so I go to the restroom. It's not going to be making me feel like I don't like my father or something like that, right? So this happened dozens of times years ago or a couple of years ago. And sure enough, I don't know if talking to God made my dreams different or he did something or whatever. I'm very spiritual that way. Not necessarily religious, but spiritual. And now I'm getting these really funny scenarios in the dreams that are waking me up. And I'm like, oh, man, I got to go to the restroom, man. And last night or this morning or whatever, I was in this dream and everything was going great. And then this like church community um, sort of like your hippie 70 kind of, not no one's dressed like hippies, but they're sort of like maybe John Denver's crew or whatever. Just started filling up the room and filling up the room. All these little kids are in there. Like, you know, it was like one family had 20 kids and they all look the same. You know, it's like, it was just, I was like, whoa, what's going on here? What's going on here? And it's like, it was extinguishing my moment that I, whatever I was doing in the room, I was with somebody having a conversation. It was pissing me off because the conversation was getting hijacked, just like it happens in real life. When the waitress seeing you talking, they go, can I get you something? He's like, hey, I'm talking. Wait one second. I'll give you more tip. Just stay away. But I woke up from that and I laughed because I was like, isn't that funny? I got shaken awake without negativity. I mean, it's mildly negative. I'd be interested if you guys have had that scenario. If I'm the only dude in the whole world that like, if, if you're, uh, I don't know, going to the restroom is the big one for me. I mean, it happens once a night tops but it's usually in the morning when you get up you know sunshine out and you're like oh god okay it just is how, how do you guys wake up from dreams is there any consistency to your dream sequence rituals of being forced awake one of the biggest uh this is non-related to real-time dreaming but it's just dreaming in general and i've said this once before but what's fascinating to me is that i don't dream well, I put it this way, I don't have but one lucid moment in my entire life of falling asleep. And I've never 
talked to anybody who's ever done this either. I've only had one moment, and but let me reverse to the negative uh, aspect of this. You lay down and you're tired. And I'm trying to clear my mind. I'm not trying to think about my, my big rule about going to bed is never think about real things. Think about fantasy things. I used for about a year, I would think about cartoons that have been like Ralph Bakshi cartoons or something, even Disney cartoons. And I'm in the world, I'm in a Muppet world or something strange, just forcing myself to my childhood so that, uh, or Star Wars or whatever you want to do, such that nothing is attaching to real life. And I seem to get to sleep. I'm not an easy fall sleeper, but it seems to help when I really detach myself from reality. Okay. So I'm, I'm, uh, very close to all the dudes who made the first Tron in 1982. And I got really close to a lot of folks who participated in the second one, Legacy. But there was a scene that initially I was very disappointed with, which is when Sam jacks into the computer in his, in his father's uh, Flynn arcade down in the basement, right? The first movie flew you into this world and you went down a tunnel and it was basically divorcing you uh, imagery wise from your reality into this virtual reality. And Jeff Bridges is, you know, frozen and the lasers knocking out little voxel blocks at him and taking him in. So cool. What's, what's the legacy do? Boom. It's a star map from like Star Wars going woof and you just immediately go into it. It's all gray. It's just weird. You're just there. When we have ridiculous levels of special effects, that was the extent of the imagination of Joe Kaczynski. Really disappointing. However, that movie came out. It was like five years later. And I was going to sleep with my girlfriend at the time. And I was get up on her back. And uh, we're like spooning right when you go to bed, right? And I remember just, she's a little taller than me, as a matter of fact. She's an amazing woman. So I get up behind her. And I'm looking at her back, and I close my eyes, and that thing, that thing that happened in Legacy, just identical, just went boom, and I'm in a dream. And it's the only time in my entire life that I've ever remembered starting the dream sequence. So I'd be super curious if any of you have had that moment when you're awake, and you actually ride into the dream world consciously, whether it happened one time, every time. Super curious what your comments might be. But now here's the interesting thing. We dream. Well, if you're a dreamer, you dream all the time. Or if, even if you dream, geez, like 10 times out of 365 days of the year, we dream. And we don't talk about it with anybody. It's a really weird thing, in my opinion, I mean, I understand why we don't talk about potentially going to the restroom with everybody because it's a very private situation, but a dream. I mean, you might have a dream you don't want to tell anybody about, but come on, there's got to be plenty in there that you had, you would have no problem mentioning. it. But what is the, what is the issue with dreams and telling somebody else about them? Well, for some bizarre reason, and perhaps as part of the contract, if that theory has any validity, that we forget very quickly after waking up. But there's an interesting thing. There are dreams that you never forget. And why is that? For me, there is a lucidity, even if I don't know I'm dreaming, there's, there's a level of absolute realism 
to the dreams that you never forget. For whatever reason, when you're staring at something or experiencing something or talking to someone, I mentioned, uh, I don't know, 10 episodes back, I was driving down the street that this business is on. It goes right to the beach. And this big stealth craft looked like very, you know, very Air Force-y, but definitely one I haven't seen before. And it was more like a Stingray than the, than the, the one that exists, the B-1 or B-2, which is like a flying wing, right? This is very webbed and had a much thicker body, but it's massive. And I can't really tell how big it is, but it looked like it was crashing into the ocean in front of me. It's, it's dusk. It's probably about 30 minutes before sunset. I'm looking straight ahead because you go down this hill and you got a really good vantage of the beach about a quarter mile from the actual sand, right? And I'm looking at this thing and I'm going, oh my God, that thing is crashing. And I'm talking to, this is the thing, it's a dream. I'm talking to like a girl on my car and she says, yammering on, yammering on, yammering on. And I'm like, uh, it's one of those moments when you need to say something because something just happened, but this person just started a sentence is going to go for a paragraph or two. And sadly, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with them saying this. They're not actually blathering. It's just what the conversation went at that time. With that, went at that time. So I finally just said, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go. But bam, I hung up the phone. I drove my car right because there's an entry to the beach right there. So I drove up, parked my car, got out, and there's two of them now. And they have landed. I don't, these things are so massive that... The front of the ship is technically on the sand. The back of the ship has got these feet that go down to the water. And it's no problem. And this thing turns out to be not so big on the outside. I mean, I really couldn't get a sense, but it, whatever it was on the inside was probably two times as big on the inside. So the dream was kind of fluctuating the scale of this vehicle. And this doctor guy was like one of these dudes that didn't wear... He had a he had a uh, like a smock on the, the white one. I don't know what you call it, some like doctor's coat, right? But he had like civilian clothes underneath, and he they're putting out these tables, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like they landed, they didn't crash, they landed, right? And there's two of them, and this dude grabs me, and he's like, oh, you know, I'm taking pictures in uh, my phone as I go down this hill in my car. He's like, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna post this on Telegram, right? And he comes up to me and goes, I see what you did. I see what you did. You got to, you have to come with me. And I immediately just had my phone in my hand. I said, Hey, you know, you can take this off my phone if you really need to. I just, if it's okay, I was going to take pictures. And he doesn't really acknowledge that. He's like, you got to come inside. This is a repeat. If you saw the other episode, which I don't even know which one it is, but he takes me up this loading ramp because the vehicle has like, you know, multiple entry points. It's so big. And I go inside and it's like, it's fairly compact, but it's, there's a room over to the right, which I don't get to go to until the end of the dream, which is like a massive NASA headquarters type thing where you see all the screens and all the desks and it's kind of like a stadium seating goes down and everyone has a big monitor and a table, just like a NASA thing. Like a, what do you call it? Like um, ground control kind of place, right? But he leaves me with this woman. He's got to go do something. He leaves me with this woman. You hang out with her for now. And, and she, she's like, oh, I, I, okay, hi. You know, she's like, I don't have any idea that you, I had no idea you were coming in here. So she takes me down this hallway to the left. We're having this total conversation, man. I, I could technically, if I had all the time in the world, I could draw this, right? And it's kind of like, kind of spaceshipy, but it's kind of like also, you know, like something a 
human would make. It's not outrageous or, you know, it's not like something from H.R. Giger's brain. We go down to this little laboratory and she's got some stuff. She says, well, I'm working on this right here and I, I don't think I can really talk about it. And I look inside this tray and I showed you a 3D rendering of what I saw. It's actually identical to what I saw, which is these little brass fittings in there. And I said, oh man, I said, does uh, that have to do with electricity? She says, yeah. And so then we turn around and, and uh, after having a little bit of conversation there and I start drilling on ethereal sciences because I said, this ship just doesn't seem to have like jet engines it seems to just hover it seems anti-air you know anti-gravity so i said do you guys study you know ethereal sciences and she's like well i'm not sure what you're talking about and so i started drilling about electronics and cathode versus anode theory and blah 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 blah. and i'm having this i still remember it's like i really lived it it's really strange which i oh there's no way i lived this it was the dream and so the dude comes to me says you i'm introducing this guy and it's this big giant dude who's like i don't know Six foot six or something, right? He's a foreigner. The only thing I could think of is like his language was so, he was trying to speak English and his accent was so thick and I couldn't recognize, maybe it was some Swedish accent or something where it's like a language you listen to, you're like, whoa, or some Icelandic language. And you're like, man, I cannot, I can barely understand what you're saying. But he takes me in the big room. And we're on the top entry floor of this room because that's that's how you go in. So you go in this room, and then it starts going down, 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 probably five rows until it kind of hits the theater base, right? But the the whole inside of this spaceship is like all rounded, beautiful, kind of aerodynamic for the outside. But they've put the screen into the wall. You might say it's LEDs, but it was softer than LEDs, but it was very comprehensive, all kinds of boxes and, you know, statistics. No one else was in the room. Just this woman to my left. The dude takes off, leaves me with this guy. She's woman to my left. This dude's in his cubicle. It's his cubicle. got this big, giant TV, big flat screen. It's like he's got a 50-inch flat screen for his computer. And he's looking at me, and he's like, he's giving me a test or something, and he's speaking English, but it's so bad. But, it, you know, usually when you hear, like, someone struggling with English or your native language, you can hear the other language that they have. Like, they might have, like, an Italian spin or a Spanish spin or French spin or German spin. This had something behind it that I was like, and I'm looking at this guy, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, looking, I'm trying to see the room because I'm like, what the hell is this place, right? And I'm also trying to be respectful to the guy in front of me thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to uh, fly in this baby, whatever this thing is, right? It was sort of like a Richard Dreyfus moment in, in uh, Close Encounters where they're kind of testing you to see if you can get on the mothership kind of thing, right? And I just remember struggling for probably 60 seconds, and I just keep, I can hear words, and I keep politely just trying to be as nice as I can to this guy because obviously he's not an idiot. He's on this ship. He's got a role. I don't know what it is. And I woke up after just not being able to understand, but... I have embedded in my memory more so getting into the ship, the beach loading scene, getting into the ship, the whole corridor left and right, because there was another little table off to the right too that was kind of looked like a reception area, but there wouldn't really be a reception area. I don't know what this thing was. Talking to this woman and then uh, talking to the dude. He had like kind of wavy, short, shorter wavy brown hair, but thick. And like kind of grows out of your middle of your forehead, right? And he was uh, he was dressed in kind of a blue outfit with some some sort of doctor's you know thing on. I don't know. So she had one too. 
Just bizarre. I don't know what makes that occur, but that level of dream, and I've got dozens of them, I can never forget that the futuristic version of my hometown. I got several instances where I see that. There was an art deco theater I used to always get to in a dream. And you go in this art deco, it's out in the middle of like industrial area, and it's just got all those cool art deco signs with the slits in them with the neon on them. And I go inside this place, and there was a gigantic escalator that must have gone up like three stories and then you have to turn the corner. And I remember getting on the escalator for years and I could never turn the corner. And finally, in one of my dreams, I turned the corner and sure enough, it's a movie theater up there. (laughs) Do you guys have places like that where you might return to a location that you only see in your dreams, but every time you go, it's 95, 98%, if not a hundred percent, exactly the same And you feel very familiar when you get back to it. Oh, yeah. You know, for me, I've had locations where when I lived in Kansas a second time, my house was uh, on a corner, kind of. It's like one house from the end. And then two houses down was my uncle's house, which is a nice uh, two story with a really cool attic that we used to hang out with like a full vaulted ceiling. You could stand up in there as an adult and plenty of space to do all kinds of wild stuff. But in my dream world, before I left that town, I used to dream about my uncle having a study above that, like a super secret room. And it was all wood and it had like the rollout desks, you know, like the accordion kind of topped on it and just all kinds of knickknacks. It was like a secret room in Hogwarts or something. And he was a doctor, so he's very intelligent. He always was into something cool, studied a bunch of cool shit. And so I remember being in that as a kid and then probably skipping about 20 years before I saw it again. And it would occur again. And I had to wake up and go, oh, my God, that that location hasn't been in my dreams for at least a couple decades. But I got to go back. Isn't that weird? I mean, it's cool as shit, right? What I find interesting about the permanency of some locations is that, I don't know, 99% of the time, all the places I go to, they may feel familiar, but the actual architecture is completely different, you know? Now, the other thing I want to remind you guys of, because this is something I still haven't heard come back to me, like I'll say stuff and I'll hear uh, Matt sensibilities come back on TikTok and he'll say some stuff I've been saying for years and like good it spread it went a full circle and people are starting to understand oil comes out of the surface of the earth all the time it's an organic creation from methane gas it's not it's not anything fossil right not saying it's the best choice of energy I'm just saying right that's how it's created but if you really want to parse the magnificence of dreams I want you to remember that if you've even had one dream in your entire lifetime that seemed real, we have some accountability of how that happened inside your brain that is very, very mind-blowing, okay? Now, I create photoreal 3D stuff all the time now. That's one of my side businesses, okay? In addition, I've been around the effects world for, God, 25, almost 30 years now. My buddies are, they got gold statues all over the place because they're that good at it. So I've, I know how this shit works top to bottom. It dawned on me a few years ago, probably five or six years ago. Whoa, wait a minute. My brain 
and this happens during the day, it's called daydreaming, you can imagine things that don't exist. But especially in dreams, where you're imagining the terrain, the locations, the, the buildings, and it's either daytime or nighttime, you meet a person, you see a fancy car, whatever, your brain has been synthesizing, and human brains have been synthesizing this stuff like a virtual reality forever. Ever since man dreamed. We can see things fully rendered in 3D with sunlight, all the right reflections. If you have glass, then it's refracting glass. I mean, think about this for one second. You don't have, unless we're in a simulation, access to a supercomputer as, uh, say, a zero AD guy is having a dream. Or a dog is having a dream. The little legs are kicking, right? The little pig in uh, parts of the Caribbean, right? They're dreaming. Everything's dreaming. And it's seeing something so real, it's reacting to it physically. Sometimes in the real world. How is that possible? Right? How is it possible that we can render all this stuff that we've technically probably never really seen in the real world? When I first started playing video games like um, Quake, especially, uh, was it Quake 3, where it was like a tournament where you run around and sort of the Unreal Tournament they would create these worlds, and World of Warcraft was very powerful for me in this way, but they would create worlds that have this dreamy quality to them. But my dreams are better than those worlds. My lighting is better. The nuances of my world is much better. I used to dream about, I haven't dreamed this way in a while, but I've been in office complexes uh, way up on, you know, 20 story floors, 100 story floors, and, you know, lots of cubicles and glass and people. And I'm just a cog in the wheel roaming around, not a central character or anything. But you'll wake up and you'll just blow it off. You'll be like, yeah, I was in some weird thing. And it's like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're where? What'd you see? You know? If you see something tremendous in your dream, there's a, there's a little reward. There's like an Academy Award for special effects you should get as soon as you wake up, if you really think about it. And some of them are very uh, on point, sort of like realistic things, and sometimes they're very symbolic. When I was a kid, I used to have this dream where I was a molecule. It was a, literally a frustration dream. I, haven't, I figured out how to kill this by getting up and shaking out my brain. When I was a little kid, I'd have this, it started, I don't know how, but I was really young and I was like a cell inside of higher being, right? Or something, right? And I'm a, literally an atom and I'm just sitting there crunched by a bunch of other atoms and I just can't get out and I can't do anything. And it's like, I'm not in pain or anything, but I'm mentally I'm being tortured because what the hell is this, right? It's like you have no purpose. It's literally a hell by any other definition, right? And what was funny is, I think I was in my, geez, my 30s or 40s, probably my 30s, and I was going to bed at my old house, and I remember there's a feeling when that dream comes on me, and it's this weird, it's like eating lima beans, it's a weird feeling, right? And I remember, it was the first time I said, oh, wait a minute, if I close my eyes, I'm going to get into that dream, and I won't have the key out, it'll just run its course, Right. 
And so I remember just getting up and then doing something, messing with my phone or whatever it was. And I just spent half an hour to an hour. I was like, man, I'll stay up as long as that feeling is in the room. I'm going to have that dream. And I finally just found a way to extinguish and disperse the feeling. And therefore, the dream never happens again. Very interesting. Now, that, as much as that's an annoying abstract dream, my question is, why the hell would I ever have that dream in the first place? Especially as a child with limited experience, you know, there's good movies on TV or in the movie theater, but I never saw anything like that ever. And yet it was there. For me, that calls out to a potential, I don't know, cause and effect model of, you know, the big question that's going to start arising, which I was alluding at at the beginning of this episode is, once you realize that this reality can be easily created in a computer, I mean, give it 50 years, right? I may or may not be alive. Actually, 50 years, I'll probably be out of here. But uh, maybe 40 years, I might still be here. But the idea is AI talking to AI and being able to recognize and being programmed to recognize the reality that we've experienced once AI gets into a robot and it can look around the world and start going, oh, wow, that tile right there is really worn. How to get that way? Explanation. Oh, whoa, okay. So if a particular area of a subway is trafficked a lot with no repairs, it's going to start looking like that tile on the ground right there. It's all worn. It'll get there. And it'll get there at an exponential level. So the idea is... If VR hits that point, it's like the government saying, oh, they shouldn't be allowed to know about UFOs because it'll make them fear about fear their reality and God and all this other stuff. It'll spiritually upset everything. That's all horseshit nowadays. But yeah, virtual, re- virtual reality recreated inside potentially another simulation. How are you going to uh, have religion? How are you going to believe how are you going to perceive your own reality? And if this virtual reality has pain and all the same senses that we have in this reality, it would be, there, there will be a, a situation. Imagine someone creates some, some inceptionistic Russian doll simulation game and you not only have an alternate reality, but you have an envelope of an envelope of an envelope. And you're jumping in and out of these realities for an extended period of time, maybe months, maybe years, maybe decades, and then someone drops you in this reality and turns the machine off. The apocalypse happens. The power goes out. How do you trust this reality now? You will have no less senses in this reality than you had in the other however many realities. And then when you see a dream, the dream is like a wild uh, facsimile with less senses and potentially less consistency than the virtual ones you've been having. And think about this too. You and I grew up the old school way in reality. If a child were to grow up in a virtual reality because they've been implanted very quickly, they may think cartoons are real and this one's fake. And what are dreams at that point? What's going to be interesting is, even in a VR system, let's just say they get neoed out, you still have to go to sleep. It's just a constant of the universe. It's almost like the Achilles heel of human form that we have to go to sleep. Okay, so you're in some wild reality. What are dreams going to be like 
if the only thing you know is a fake world. Or you predominantly ready player one yourself into a metaverse, and so whatever reality you have is a complete joke. What if you, uh, you can fly in all your virtual realities? And you come back to this one, you're like, well, I'll just jump off this building and just like Neo, I'm going to land. I'll be all right. And you don't. You go splat. And now you're so injured, you can't get in those fake realities anymore. I'm sure they'll Kevorkian you out of this place, but just think about it. It's often mentioned in my circles uh, what it would be like to take a human, older the better, male or female, doesn't matter. Intelligent would be a good uh, attribute. And sit them down and put a VR headset on them or let them watch a movie a Transformer movie, uh, was a Pacific Rim. <laughs> what if you showed that you could take them from that reality, like a Twilight Zone, and either bring the equipment to them or bring them up to the equipment in a quarantine world where they don't get to see the rest of the world, but they're just seeing the screen. They go, we have a real big problem in the future. Check this out. <laughs> you show a Pacific Rim and you don't tell them it's fiction. They would have no ability to discern the fiction on that TV today with the special effects that we've got today and where they're going to go back in 1850 or whatever it is, right? Their minds can't conceive of what we're showing them. And we could theorize that today with the technology we've got in 2024. By the way, Happy New Year's, everybody. Okay. That's going to happen to us. It's already happening to us slowly in different metrics, right? ChatGPT alone had a good conversation with my uh, a genius IT friend of mine today and he was saying you know he played around with other AIs and he goes they're just horrible he goes ChatGPT is the game it's the number one one that's out there and I was like oh, that's good because I haven't had time to play with the other ones he's like yeah it's just awful but this stuff is catching up this stuff's starting to get really amazing and you know VR has tried to start in the 1990s at the beginning of the 90s it tried to rebirth in the late 90s it just tried to rebirth in 2015. I just went up and tried to price some headsets. And what's most interesting about it was that uh, no one's seen the new um, Apple thing, which I think is much more brilliantly designed, of course. But it's the reviews on the headsets that are the most impressive and that everyone hates them. There's the $500 Quest 3 headset. Read the, read the reviews inside of either um, Amazon or um, Reddit, and you'll have everybody going, man, I bought this, and I got sick within 15 minutes, like really sick, like pukey um, or disorientation. And it's because frame rates are horrible. Um, that'll, that'll kill you enough, right? But you're also crossing your eyes in those, whereas I think in the Apple one, it's going to have what everybody's been promising, which is you're going to look straight ahead. And that's going to keep your eyes from straining real badly. But the frame rate is going to be different, handled in a different way. And here's the big, big upgrade for you, just in case you're curious. Vision One, the new Apple headset. I haven't seen it yet, so this is just having been in VR for a very long time. I've taught VR in real colleges, okay, for accredited students, right? All the headset theories currently out there today, other than the um, Magic Leap, which was just all vaporware and crap, and you have to wear a Ghostbuster packet on your back. 
hilarious that Apple's like, oh, really? Hold my, hold my beer, right? Apple is putting the computer inside the headset because miniaturization has hit a new level, right? The big difference in that organic change, that mechanical design change, I should say, is that the reason why your frame rate sucks, and, and other than the crossing eye thing, which is just an optical design issue, is that they have been trying to generate the frames outside the headset and farm the frames through some sort of wireless connection or, you know, the, uh, the, the cable that goes from the ceiling to your head. The cable is the only way you're going to get remotely generated frames to come into the headset at a rate that's not going to make you sick. It's a big fat cable and it can get it done. Wireless, not so much. And you do not want a wireless router taped to your head. You just don't want that, okay? You're going to boil your mitochondria, which is your immune system, and you're going to get cancer right where that is, right? It's bad enough, you know, probably the Bluetooth headsets or earbuds are probably not good for you. Now, I mean, when they put voltage meters to them and turn them on, it's immediately in the lethal areas. It's just not good, man. But by Apple putting the computer up there by your head, if it's shielded properly and healthy, they're generating the frames up there by your head. And so there's no transfer of the frames. So the frame rate should be sick. Because think about it, your average top end iPhone, and that's not even the fastest chip they've got. It's plenty of plenty of speed to get 60 frames a second, which is where you're going to start lose stop start losing any nausea. But I bet it could do you know, 75 to 120 frames a second. Apple still hasn't done, you know, no, I'm off topic, but we're just closing up here. Apple still hasn't conquered the GPU against companies like NVIDIA, right? NVIDIA is God. NVIDIA is the proxy company from Skunk Works projects coming into the mainstream world. The scientists, uh, one of which I met during one of my startups, um, uh, this guy, you could just tell, was he must have eat, eaten and breathed. He may or may not be alive right now because he wasn't really well when I met him. We had to literally time this demo to really show it to him and have a very quick conversation with the guy. But he's one of those uber, uber geniuses when it comes to video card generation. And it's just without that heavy, heavy GPU lifting up by our heads, it's going to be rough and it's hot and it's I got a big electromagnetic field. It's just, you know, you could have you could have a dream while you're awake, right? But bombarding your brain. So in closing, I will say this. I find that my dreams, when they are very fruitful, meaning you have a lot of dimension, especially the ones that are like the stealth bomber thing or whatever the hell that ship was, it supercharges my life. It's a weird thing. When I wake up and I've had a great dream, I tend to have a great day. It's a strange phenomenon. That's why I think it's important. I think conversating about a dream that you've had as soon as you wake up, writing it down, that's muscle memory for having a deeper, more amazing dream. And I'm not really, I do talk about my dreams to my friends and stuff routinely. They don't ever give a shit, which is funny. I don't blame them, but whatever. It helps me have better dreams, I think. I think that's why my dreams have augmented to this next level. So maybe that's a trick. 
If you're trying to make your dreams more intense, just pay attention to them more and maybe they'll be a lot better for you. Anyway, hope you dug the episode. This has been just gnawing at me and I've been having these incredibly more dense dreams and I don't, I'm sitting there going, man, I want to tell the deep thoughts folks about all this, but it's like, I need to frame it in a way that makes sense to me. And this was, it's just the real time nature of my dreams have proven out unquestionably. If you put me in a dream uh, laboratory or something, and it would take probably several days to, to actually have the good ones where it's perfect. Because um, if I was in a weird place, the sociological study of me being in a dream, I would just probably not dream as well. But uh, they're most well, definitely real time. They last hours and hours and hours. And, you know, there's no telling what will happen in a dream. No telling. If you haven't been to deepthoughtsradio.com, that's where everything is. You'll notice that the episodes look a lot sexier in a lot of the different platforms. I had to update the thumbnails in YouTube, BitChute, and Rumble, and the website. <clears throat> and the website, so it was laborious, man. We're up to maximum level of strikes on YouTube before they're going to gag me for 90 days or something like that. So what they're doing is every time I push a new thumbnail up, they recensor the video. So... I've taken some really old episodes from season one and just electively nailed them, probably three out of 700 and blood whatever, but they've knocked out a good 38 by themselves. So if you want to see the videos that they don't want you to see, and I assure you they are the most valuable episodes for your entire lifetime, guaranteed, go to the website, look at removed by YouTube in the category section. If you're on a phone, it's all the way to the bottom. If you're on the web through a computer, it's over to the right. But make sure you've seen those because that's that's the goop. That's they only censor the truth. They never censor the lies, right? Just keep that in mind. But we've got audio, video, and everything up there. A little store up there. I still haven't had a chance to redo the store. I'm gonna make a whole bunch of new stuff for the store, plus the refresh some of the old stuff. So you want to get the OG gear, it's up there. I make virtually nothing from that stuff. They've got shirts jacked up so high. I think I make a dollar off a shirt. That's how much, that's how they got the shirts up to like 25 bucks. My cost. Insane. So we're going to go to a new printer where hopefully I can make at least five bucks or something off a shirt. That'd be cool. But, uh, never fear. We're, we're continuing to move forward. I am working on season seven intro. So yeah, it's been the season six era. It's like three years now. It doesn't really matter. I took all of the episode numbers off the thumbnails because who gives a crap? And I did use their AI to create the images so I could have royalty-free images. The cool thing about these new thumbnails is they tend to be, uh, sometimes, okay, if they're abstract episodes, it's abstract thumbnail. But typically, the sum of the scenario that I'm talking about in the episode that I make up, I can now have thumbnails generated, which are those scenarios in the thumbnail. So like meeting an alien is a big one. Uh, it's, it's a UFO landing in a circle of a neighborhood. And that's that's the scenario in the dream. I mean, in the dream, in the episode. Maybe these are all dreams. I don't know. Anyway, take care of yourself and someone else, and I'll see you in the next Deep Thoughts. Over now.